It's great to be back on Search the Scriptures today, be able to open up God's Word and see what it has to say for each of us. And we try to do that every day on this program. We try to help our listeners understand the rich messages, the pearls of wisdom that God has put forth for us right there in His Word. It's a blessing for me to be able to share with you from God's Word today with Dennis Stackhouse. Well, thank you, Gary. Certainly a wonderful privilege for me to be on the program with you today as well. And I, I like what you said earlier about being able to open up God's Word. And I'm thinking, what a blessing that is. You know, we're, we're talking in this particular series of studies about some blessings we find in Christ. And certainly, that has to be one of the greatest that we have, such ready access to God's Word the ability to open it up and to read it and to understand those things he's recorded for us. And there's just so much there, Dennis. Oh, it's a treasure. Yeah, and it's not just a lot of uh, kind of pie in the sky and neat sounding stories. And boy, that would have been a, a, a good story to tell my kids. Now, this is stuff that is pertinent for us on a day to day basis. Oh, that's absolutely right. Now, certainly, there are what we might call stories in the Bible, but there's a definite purpose to them. You know, there are things that instruct us regarding how we can be more spiritually minded, how we can draw closer to God, how we can live a life that's pleasing in His sight. Amen. There's just so much there. Mm. And, and again, if we'll pay attention, you mm. know, so many times in these days, we're looking for answers mm -hmm. to life's problems, mm -hmm. and we're looking in every place except the most important place, the most basic place, mm -hmm. and that is in God's Word. That's right. And you know, even today, uh, my wife and I were driving uh, somewhere, I don't even recall now where we were going, but she mentioned, you know, for years, she would look at the Bible and she read it, but she didn't really read it. She wasn't picking up on those things that are so important for us to understand, those things that oftentimes get overlooked, and yet they're there, they've always been there, and they're easy to understand. They certainly are. Now, I've, and I've told the story a number of times over the years. I was preaching one time for a congregation where we, we implemented a read your Bible through in a year campaign. Mm -hmm. And so we had a lot of people do that. And we had, of course, even more start to do it and then dropped out somewhere along the way. But mm -hmm. at least they read more of the Bible than they would have probably if That's they had right. to start. But we had a couple of ladies who did it for the first time ever in their lives, I believe, mm -hmm. during that year. The next year we reinstituted it and mm -hmm. they did it again. Yes. And I believe both of them, and I remember at least one of them said, you know, I'm picking up things this year that I missed last year. Oh. And they're reading the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way the Bible is. Well, it is. And I know for you, probably just as readily as it is for me, uh, even the time I worked as a preacher, you know, you can read a passage a hundred times and that hundred and first time something dawns on you that never did before. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. In fact, there are probably some passages that I've read hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I see something there. Wow, that always been there? 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> how did I miss that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's just how rich God's word is. It really is. Now, we have been, as you said earlier, we have been looking at the blessings that are enumerated for us that are ours virtue, uh, by virtue of being in Christ. Right. Now, we, we tried to emphasize this uh, over our first few sections of study along this line, that we're talking about blessings that belong to faithful Christians. That's correct. We're not talking necessarily about blessings that belong to everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, uh, as we were speaking just a few moments ago, Gary, when we read God's Word, one of the things we really need to pay attention to is who is the reader or who is this intended for? And as you said, these blessings that we're talking about in Christ, they're not for people of the world in general. These are specifically for Christian individuals who are living faithfully before God. For those who have responded positively to Mm -hmm. the call of the gospel. Exactly. Not just who have belief in God and belief in Christ, but they have done something with that belief. They have obediently come to Jesus Christ. Right. Now, we've looked here at a number of these already. We're looking at the text from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, but we've actually gone back to verse 1, and we've noted that these are blessings in verse 1. This letter is written to the saints which are in Christ, which are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ. Right. So it's not just the Christians in Ephesus, just the church at Ephesus, but also all of the faithful in Christ. It would be to all of all Christians who are faithful, all those who are faithful in Christ. And beginning with verse three, Paul goes through a long list of these blessings. When he says in verse three that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Yes. And then he begins to enumerate them. In verse 4, we're chosen by God. Also in verse 4, we're made holy and without blame. In verse 4, God's love has been extended to us. In verse 5, we're adopted by God as his sons and daughters. And we took a little time to, to note how that is a special relationship with God. Most people think that everybody is God's child. Mm -hmm. We're all God's children. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe in the very loosest, broadest sense of the term, perhaps, Mm -hmm. but certainly not in this special exclusive sense. That's right. This, where God adopts us into his family, that's only for the faithful Christian. That's right. Then also in verse six, we've been accepted in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now let's go to verse seven and, uh, How about reading that first there, Dennis? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So through his grace, God sent Christ to the cross for our redemption and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now what does it mean to redeem something again? To redeem uh, quite literally would be to buy something or someone back. Okay, so you're purchasing that. Yes. Now, Christ was sent to this world to do literally that, wasn't he? He exactly was. With mankind. Right. And the purchased price was, or the price of redemption for mankind was the life, literally, of Jesus Christ on the cross. Yes, and uh, 
you know, just so our listeners would not be confused in this regard, Gary, we said that redemption was buying something back. Well, in the beginning, when God created the world, we know that Adam and Eve lived in a sinless condition. Sin, at least for a point in time, had not come into the world. It had not become a reality. And in verse, or excuse me, in chapter 2 of Genesis, around verses 16 and 17, God gives the warning to Adam and Eve. You know, you've got all the trees in the garden. You're free to eat from the fruit of those trees. There's one where I'm going to restrict you. You don't eat from this tree. The day that you do so, you're going to die. And that, of course, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as you go into chapter 3 of Genesis, we find that the devil tempted Eve, and then in turn, Eve tempted her husband, Adam, to eat that forbidden fruit. And at that point, sin entered the world. And also, in the 15th verse of Genesis chapter 3, we have what's considered to be the first messianic prophecy, speaking about the Messiah coming into the world, how he would, in essence, deal out a death blow to the devil through his work. And of course, Jesus did that when he went to the cross. And in that sense, man belonged to God prior to sin entering the world. When man sinned, it separated him and her from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us that very clearly. Sin separates us from God. Through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, mankind now has the offer to be brought back or to be redeemed and once again be in favor with God. Very well put. That's exactly correct. Now, in the eighth verse of chapter 2 of Ephesians, what does Paul say there? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So God's grace is extended to us. And as you said, that grace was extended to us, by way of reference here, in the way that Jesus went to that cross to pay that price for our redemption. Let's go back to Romans chapter 3, and how about reading verse 24 there? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption is in Christ Jesus. Right. And only in Christ Jesus. Yes. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, and how about reading verse 12 there? Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. With his own blood. Mm-hmm. Now, that automatically communicates to the reader that Jesus gave his life, correct? Oh, yes, absolutely right. It's not the idea that he uh, maybe cut his wrist and shed a little bit of blood or pricked his finger and shed a few, few drops of blood or, again, just gave a pint of blood, you know, as we're used to today. The life is in the blood, as right. the scriptures t- tell us. Right. And especially to the Jewish mind, mm-hmm. and the book of Hebrews was probably mm-hmm. written to, to Christians with a Jewish background. Mm-hmm they automatically would have understood that idea of through his blood indicating that he gave his life. 
Oh, absolutely. And I think that's especially the case, Gary, when we look at the first phrase there in verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves. And I think that is a reference back to the uh, sacrificial system that existed under the law of Moses. And again, as you said, the Jews were very, very familiar with that. When they talked about the blood of goats or of calves, they were talking about the fact that the animal died. It yes. gave its life. Absolutely. They would uh, cut its throat. Right. And that blood would be shed and it would have uh, a place of being sprinkled upon the altar or in mm -hmm. front of the altar and so on. Mm -hmm. And the idea was, again, that this especially when it was offered as a sin atonement, this is how horrible, how terrible the consequence of sin is. It, it costs lives. Yes, yes, very graphic. And it, it, yes, and of course, the Apostle Paul tells us that for us, the wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. Now, how about going down there in Hebrews chapter 9 and read verse 28 as well? So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So he was offered once for sin. Right. And as you said, the Jewish mind, and not only the Jewish mind back then, but in those days, animal sacrifices were common. They were a common part of idolatry also, weren't they? The oh, worship yes. of idols. Absolutely. And so when you use that, that term, offered there in that text, again, it would connote in the mind of virtually anybody reading that. That particular term would, would connote, he's talking about giving his life. Yes, there's no doubt about it. Now, when we think about that, that idea of buying back, as, as you so well described redemption mm -hmm. uh, earlier, if we go to Romans chapter 5, I think we can find another term that helps us perhaps understand what you were talking about, how mankind was in a right relationship with God, and then because of sin, they fell out of that right relationship, and then through Christ, they could be brought back into that right relationship once more. If we read there, beginning with verse Eight and read down through verse 10, what does that say? Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So he had to go to the cross because of sin. We've right. looked at that a couple of times now in Hebrews chapter 9. Right. And justified by his blood, again, understanding clearly that that means he gave his life. And verse 10, twice that term reconciled is mm -hmm. used. Right. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, and then much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. To be reconciled is to be brought back into 
a right relationship with God or to be brought into a right relationship with God. In this case, it is to be brought back into mm-hmm. because mankind had had that right relationship and then lost it because of sin. Right. And they needed some way to be brought back into that right relationship with God. And the problem for mankind was they were big enough to sin and thereby remove them from that right relationship with God. But in and of themselves, they were not big enough. They did not have the ability to bring them back into that right relationship. Yes, that's a good point, Gary. Uh, Outside of Christ, mankind is lost and without hope, very clearly, very plainly. Only through Christ. And that's where man needed that Redeemer. That's exactly right. And that's why God stepped in and sent Christ to be that redeemer for mankind. Yes, he did. Because man could not do it by himself. Right. So we come back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 then, what a great blessing that is, that God's grace was extended to man as God sent Christ to the cross for our redemption and forgiveness. In doing that, God did something for us and Christ did something for us that we had absolutely no way of doing for ourselves on our own. That's correct. Now we might underscore that particular blessing in Christ and say that might be the the, the best one of all. Because it's most basic, perhaps. We were helpless. That's right. You know, putting it very plainly, we were helpless. And without that one, all of these others that we have looked at up to this point, we'd probably be forced to say they wouldn't have happened. Yeah, they don't exist. We've got to be brought back into that right relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We've got to be redeemed. We've got to have someone, we've got to have that Savior pay that redemption price. And by God's grace, he did that through Jesus Christ. Yes, he did. Okay. Now, let's go to verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 1, and let's look at another one. What does that say? Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. All right. So, according to the riches of his grace, the end of verse 7, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God has communicated to, and he has blessed us with his wisdom. Yes. Boy, are there times when we need God's wisdom in our lives? You know, as you consider that, Gary, <laughs> I guess I'd ask the question, what time is it that we don't exactly. need God's wisdom exactly. in our lives? If we turn to Romans chapter 11, we look at verse 33. What does the apostle Paul say there? Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And of course, that is an exclamation placed upon another exclamation. Yes, it is. Now, just think about how in Christ we have access to God's wisdom and what a blessing that is. Oh, for sure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 21 through 24, what does the text read there? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. 
For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here we have a contrast painted, don't we? Oh, yes, we sure do. A contrast between the supposed wisdom of mankind and the true wisdom of God. Right. And so mankind, in its wisdom, was worshiping images, statues, carvings of animals and all sorts of things, Mm -hmm. even trees. Sure. And here comes the wisdom of God, Mm -hmm. and he understands we can't keep going that way. Mm -hmm. So through his wisdom, he sent his son and through the simple message of verbal communication of the gospel, we call it preaching or Mm -hmm. teaching, Mm -hmm. God in his wisdom communicated the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Now, we would call that the gospel message. Yes, we would. And notice in verse 24 how the text ends, those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Yes. Christ coming to, to this world and living as man, going to the cross and dying as our Savior and Redeemer, and then arising from the grave. Mm-hmm. That all demonstrated the wisdom of God in leading man to the opportunity for salvation. Yes. Beautiful picture. It really is. Now, how about closing today with James chapter 1 and verse 5? 5 or 25? Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 5. Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now there again is the, the proposition posed. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Yes. As you said a few moments ago, we probably need to be asking God for his wisdom every day. Oh, every moment of every day. Yes. Because we need that wisdom. We need to know his way to live Mm -hmm. our lives in order to live our lives most effectively. Exactly right. We need that wisdom, the wisdom of God. And it is available for us as one of those blessings in Christ. 